Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, Big Book Study. My name is Sylvia F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in San Francisco Bay. Today is Wednesday, December 13th, 2017, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page two in Bill's story, and we're going to start at the um, second paragraph, and we're going to read through three paragraphs. Today's readers are Lindsay T. on the 12 Steps, Kathy G. on the 12 Traditions, and on the text is Liat TB, Carrie S., and Mo H. And the share ID for Tuesday, December 12th, the 10 a.m. meeting, is 10789-10789. And the share ID for this morning's meeting Wednesday, December 13th at 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 10794, 10794. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lindsay T. to read the 12 steps. Lindsay? Good morning. The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for his for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. In 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Lindsay T. And Kathy G. will now read the 12 traditions from OA. Thank you, Sylvia. Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy G. from Illinois, gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 
Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are reading on page two. It's the second paragraph that starts with by the time I completed the course. And we're gonna read through three paragraphs ending with a host of fair weather friends. And I'm going to ask Liat TV to start our reading. Liat. Thank you, Sylvia. Good morning, everyone. TV. By the time I had completed the course, I knew the law was not for me. The inviting maelstrom of Wall Street had me in its grip. Business and financial leaders were my heroes. Out of this alloy of drink and speculation, I commenced to forge the weapon that one day would turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me into ribbons. Living modestly, my wife and I saved a thousand dollars. It went into certain security, then cheap and rather unpopular. I rightly imagined that they would someday have a great rise. I failed to persuade my broker friends to send me out looking over factories and at management, but my wife and I decided to go anyway. I had developed a theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets. I discovered many more reasons later on. We gave up our position and off roared on a motorcycle. The sidecar stuffed with tent, blankets, and change of clothes, and three huge volumes of financial reference service. Our friends thought a lunacy commission should be appointed. Perhaps they were right. I had had some success at speculation, so we had little money, but we once worked on a farm for a month to avoid drawing on our small capital. That was the last honest manual labor on my part for many days. We covered the whole Eastern United States in a year. At the end of it, my report to Wall Street procured me a position there and the use of a large expense account. The exercise of an option brought in many more money leaving us with a profit of several thousand dollars for that year. For the next few years, fortune threw money and applause my way. I had arrived. My judgment and ideas were followed by many to the tombs of paper millions. The great boom of the late 20s was seething and swelling. Drink was taking an important and exhilarating part in my life. There was loud talk in the jazz places uptown. Everyone spent in million <clears throat> and chattered. I'm sorry, everyone spent in thousands and chattered in millions. Scoffers could scoff and be damned. 
I made a host of fair feathered friends. I love Bill, and I love his story. And I was thinking, if Bill only wrote about his food addiction and his, uh, sorry, his alcoholism and his alcoholic problem with alcohol, with actual beverage, or with a substance, I would probably die or maybe be in a mental institution. You know, it's so wonderful that he, for me, that he writes about who he is as as a, an addict. You know, the mental, the way he thought. You know, I can relate so much. You know, I actually, when I read this morning, you know, I know he went to law and he took law courses and stuff, but not, law was not for me. You know, I can relate to just that sentence. What? What everyone else, the norm is not for me. And here is 1925. Bill is 30 and Lewis is 26. And they're in a time, a very conservative time. They're going and doing things that are driven by this illusion, delusion, lack of proportion of ability to think straight mentality that the alcoholic has, or for me, that I have. I drove my wife. I live the country. I everything I do, and I still, you know, I still. This is the problem that I'm going to face the rest of my life. I I feel is that mental issue, that mental problem that drives me, and and rules me, and it doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks, and whether it's right or sane or. I am convinced that this is the way and I will do anything to get there, to arrive, you know. And so, gosh, I didn't tie myself with um, You know, I was looking at some things in my life. I'm a child care provider. I am going to be the best child care provider. I'm going to be the sought-after OA speaker, or, of course, now in a vision for you, I have to have that special edition. I have to be in tip-top, special, you know, physical shape, education, cleaning my house, perfect wardrobe, rich. All those things had to be achieved so I can arrive, and I never am satisfied. Never satisfied. Always, you know, it's that selfness, self, selfishness, self-centeredness. You know, is the root of my problem, and it was, re- you know, driven by a hundred forms of fear. And that's what I live my life today still. Thankfully, I have the steps to be free of it. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a big it, part of my illness. And, uh, and seeing Bill going through this in his life uh, is very validating that I'm not alone. And that it is, you know, it's, this kind of mental mind that I have that I need to deal with. And so, um, time. thank you for the opportunity. I hope I helped someone or someone could relate to it, but um, um, I'm grateful and thank you. Okay. Thank you, Liat TD. Okay, so we're on page two. We're on the second paragraph, and we're going to read through three paragraphs of Bill's story, and I'm ready to take some names. Lorraine Donna K. W. Donna W. Lorraine Rachel K. W. Okay. Okay, Kathleen so missing o. some. Let me tell you who I've got, and I've missed some, so let's see. I've got Marin, I've got Donna W., Carol K., Kathleen O., and I missed some some people in there. Rachel W. Rachel W. J.B. J.B. Did I miss anyone else? Okay, nice lineup. Okay, I've got Marin, and you'll tell us what your last initial is when you come on. Donna W., Carol K., Kathleen O., Rachel W., and J.B. Marin, if you want to start, followed by Donna W. Thank you. Thank you for chairing the meeting. Marin K., welcome everyone on the line. Um, This Bill's story, I mean, I still relate to the part about his how he, you know, he, he the underline the last honest labor on his part for many a day. 
I, I remember in the throes of my disease many years ago, um, I, you know, I was unemployable, and I had been a very, uh, I had worked in the acting profession prior to getting abstinent. I had been very anorexic and bulimic at that time that I was working. And um, like Bill, I thought that I had arrived and that um, I was going to just go on and on and everything was going to be great. And um, food, you know, was taking an important and exhilarating part in my life, my bulimia and anorexia. And um, like Bill, I thought that I didn't really have to, you know, look at this situation that he was in. And I lost everything. I uh, really... um, just was in a uh, a fantasy like Bill. And um, it goes on later in the story how many times he tries to stay sober. But I know that for me, um, it's just about denial. Uh, you know, keep trying to change places, go places, hospitals, change hospitals, go to different parts of the country. He... You know, just everything he did to try and and get away from the fact that he is an alcoholic. But he's not ready yet to admit to his innermost self that he is really an alcoholic. And that's where I was for many years, where I was not able to admit that I had an eating disorder. And in that position, I was in a fantasy. So that's all I can say about this part is um, he thinks he's doing really well and, you know, really making it. But on... on a lot of levels, he's just really pathetic, and that was me, too. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Marin Kay. Donna W., followed by Carol Kay. Hi, this is Donna W. calling from Palo Alto, California. So grateful to be recovered and um, for today and uh, gratefully recovered compulsive eater. So, um, yes, the, I love this section where, you know, people follow me to pay for millions. I live in Silicon Valley, so... There's a lot of, you know, chatting in thousands or chatting in even millions and uh, and uh, the whole kind of following things in paper millions. I just love that. And, you know, when I first lost the weight, I thought I had arrived. And I was really angry because I thought, okay, I've arrived. Life's supposed to be awesome now. And it wasn't. Um, I was still me and I still had work to do. Um, and I noticed that even in little ways, like I was on a big project that at a customer site last week. I came home and I was tired and, you know, I wanted to have arrived. I, I, I just wanted to relax and I still had a lot of work to do and I've been kind of angry about that and resentful. But the reality is that I need humility. You know, I don't arrive. This is progress, not perfection. I don't arrive. When I arrive, then I take over and I'm self-reliant instead of God-reliant. And so, you know, what I'm seeing here is the need to have humility. It's not about me. It's about doing the next right step for God. That's all for today. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Donna W. Carol Kay, followed by Kathleen O. Hi, this is Carol Kay from New Jersey. Um, Yes, I had arrived. uh, I'm sorry, uh, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. I had arrived. um, (laughs) You know, that just brings me back to the late 90s and the early 2000s when my husband um, you know, was making really good money and well, all through the 90s, actually. And I was given, I have seven kids, I was giving them all big parties, having ponies here, you know, um, pool parties and spending money like it was nothing. My ego was through the roof. Of course, I had a lot of friends, but guess what? They were all one of me. They were all compulsive overeaters. And so, um, you know, food was like the biggest thing at a party. So, I, you know, I could just totally relate to this. My ego, the bottom line, it was through the roof. And my friends that we had, they wanted what I had. They they loved it. Wow, look at this, you know. And um, all was going good because food was my God. Food was everything to me, you know. And today I sit here and I look back and I say to myself, you know, there's a sadness to this. There's a happiness and there's a sadness to this. And this, I'll say, I'll go with the sadness first. The sadness is, is that I couldn't tell you anything about those friends except the foods that they loved. I couldn't tell you what their favorite color was. I couldn't tell you what they enjoyed doing. I couldn't even tell you anything about their lives because I didn't know it. Today, 
the happy part of this is that I see it and that I, I have a program of action that I, can, that I can work so that I don't have to live in that, in that disease anymore. Um, and I've got to say, I just want to say one last thing. I'm coming back from relapse. I was recovered for a year and a half. and my, I'm married 35 years. My marriage stunk for 35 years. Horrible. And when I got recovered, my whole life turned around. My marriage got good. My relationship with my kids were great. And I went down. I went down for 10 days. And I'm back up. I got back up because you know why? I didn't like that 10 days. I didn't like who I was becoming because I was becoming that those behaviors were coming back. And I didn't like it. So I was willing and I am willing today. Thank you, God, for this book because it saved my life. These 12 steps. I live and breathe these 12 steps. Spiritual progress, not perfection, it says in this book. That's right. So I fell down and I got back up. And here I am today and I'm grateful for everyone on this line. Thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Carol Kay. Kathleen O. followed by Rachel W. Celia, thank you so much. This is Kathleen O., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. And it's great to be on the line with all of you this morning. So here we have Bill. You know, Bill was very intelligent. He was charismatic, driven, focused, um, and he had this desire to be rich. And, you know, when I look at how I can relate to how Bill thinks and acts, um, I had, you know, I had my own, I think we all have our own set set of strengths and talents, and I had mine. Um, But like Bill, when in the grips of the disease, I was always pulled down, you know, being um, for Bill, being smart, being, you know, the charming person that he was. I mean, clearly he knew how to make money. Um, Brains and willpower did not stop this man from getting drunk. You know, he could not stop once he started. And, you know, I always felt if I had the right job, if I had the right men, man, um, then I could lose weight and I could stay thin. And and I felt like I arrived if I found someone to give me attention, if I found, you know, a man to give me attention and um, or to be, you know, to be my boyfriend. And all that did was allow me to choose the wrong men um, because I would settle, you know. It's like, oh, well, I need to have a man by me or I need to, you know, um, have the best car and, um and you know, and I, I was able to somehow make these things happen. I, I, I was able to make enough money to buy a car. I was able to make enough money to buy a home. Um, but was I happy? No, I was miserable. Um, I would have these things that looked okay, but on the inside, I felt terrible. And I'd have visions of, well, maybe if I just walk in front of that Mack truck, I can finish it right now and be done with it. Um, so you know, reading these these words, you know, Bill was his higher power. He relied on himself. And he valued himself by his outsides. And, you know, trust, reliance, and dependence, it really has to be on a higher power, not on, on myself. And for me, it does have to be on a higher power. And for Bill, it did get worse before it got better. And, you know, this is what we read about in his story. And the thing about fair-weathered friends, um, so a fair-weathered friend is a person who stops being a friend in times of difficulty. Um, or they're only a friend when circumstances are pleasant or profitable. And I still am just kind of baffled at a friend who was a really good friend of mine. Um, But she was a fair-weathered friend in the food because as soon as I found this and lost weight and kept it off, uh, she just didn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. So clearly uh, what our friendship was based on was food. And today I'm, I'm just really happy I can have friendships based on something more meaningful and and, you know, be valued um, by, um, by what's on the inside of me, not what's, not, not what's happening on the outside. And thank you. I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O. And Rachel W. followed by JB. Rachel Star 1 to unmute. Hi, good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, excellent. If you don't, if you could time me, I would really appreciate that. I don't have that ability right now. Um, okay. But I just thank you so much, and thank you for your service. And I'm really glad this meeting is here. So great to have another piece of vision. 
in the morning to, uh, you know, to take from and to glean from and to get so much experience, strength, and hope from all the shares. But this reading is so, so interesting. And I'm always, um, you know, we're, I'm here to identify in to this book. And every time I read it, I do even more and more. Um, and I think what's coming up for me is that constant pursuit of, of perfection and the constant pursuit of being enough, you know, and, um, and I was, you know, there was a time I was, I was, you know, being hired for different things. And there was a, this national organization for nonprofit that hired me to do videos, promotional videos for their organization. And, um, and I was all into it and, and feeling really great. And, you know, but, but still like there was that piece that just was like that constant drive for something else. And this was all while I was in this program. This is all while I was, absent for seven years this was happening while doing these steps you know I, I there was still you know even and, and I was like you know sharing I was starting meetings in OA I was rec- I was quote recovered but really there was like this emptiness in me because I was still pursuing you know that, that 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 piece of me that was so empty and um and that could only be filled by taking it another layer into the steps and I think what happens for me is you know, when it's time for me to learn something new about myself, the universe sends me an agitation that I need to grow, and if and I don't want to, so I binge and I go into a relapse, and that's exactly what happened after seven years. I went into a relapse because I didn't want to look at, you know, the layers of that were going on underneath and bringing these steps to an even deeper level into emotional sobriety. So um, this now coming out of this latest relapse, and when I hear people are in relapse, I'm almost happy for them because I'm thinking. You, it's great because when you get through the next relapse, like my experiences, each time in relapse, I had an even greater experience with the steps because the, you know, the, the idea isn't whether I get through the steps. The idea is whether the steps get through me. And each time I'm going through them, I'm realizing I just finished a step study um, this past week. We did step 12 and now we're back in the steps, you know, it's back until, you know, it's just constantly going through and, and that's the only answer. And for today, my job, my career, it's so much different. It's so much less focused on external validation. It's so much more real. It's so much more authentic. It's so much more in service, you know, not to myself to get external validation. Although if I get that, that's wonderful, you know, wonderful, but it's more in, in service to other people in service to God. I wake up in the morning, that first hour in the morning is sacred. And that's when I really um, can, can focus in my day. And that's not what it used to be like. And, and again, the scary thing is it was happening while I was in program. So um, anyway, thank you for allowing me to share. And I pass. Thank you so much for this meeting. Thank you, Rachel W. And now JB. JB. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, I'm a little nervous. It's my first time sharing on the line. I'm JB, and I am a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I, whenever I first read Bill's story, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, well, before I read it, I was like, you know, there's no way I can relate to anything from some guy in the 1930s or whatever. But, um, I generally highlight anything I related to, and I've highlighted, like, on these pages, there's more highlighted than not. And so I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this. But um, I love Bill's story because I was like, wow, his ego is probably as big or bigger than mine. And that played, my ego played a lot in my addiction. Um, it led me to a lot of, you know, because if people didn't do what I said, I would get upset and then I would go eat to make myself, like, feel better because, like, if things didn't turn out the way I wanted, I was like, see, you know, if they would have just listened to me, kind of like Bill was saying, like, um, I had developed a theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets. Like he, if they would just listen to how he ran things, then they wouldn't, then they wouldn't lose. And I used to be exactly like that. Like if you would just let me solve all of your problems, then everything would just be so fine in your life. But my life was a disaster, so that was obviously not correct. But I also love where he said, you know, I had arrived. Um, I still feel like I have arrived sometimes um, in recovery. 
but I definitely felt it in in my addiction. Um, I like especially because for me, my mental health issues led me to addiction, and whenever I was manic, I really would feel like. I had all the answers in the world, and if people would just let me lead their lives, then their lives would work out just fine because i'm the i'm I'm so smart that I can just answer everything and everyone's problems and um and you know, I wondered why some people thought I was a know it all, but you know. Anyways, so with some help inside of my inside of recovery from my addiction, I've been able to bring a lot a lot of things a lot more leveled. And I just sometimes I look back and I just have to laugh at myself of how how big my ego was and how much it drove me to behave in ways that like I hope that I don't ever start behaving anymore because I am not like smarter than everyone else, you know. Probably quite the opposite in a lot of areas. Um but with my eating I had it says I oh it's, I'm it's sorry. Time. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, JB, for your share. Right. Okay, we're uh I'm gonna take another list of names and we're uh just if you're just joining us we're on page two, and we started in the second paragraph, and we read through three paragraphs. And who would like to share? Lorna A.M. Sherry K.B. Lorna. Okay, so uh, out of that little pile on, all I got was Sherry K.B. and Mo H. So let's try and slow it down and see if I can catch your names of who just tried to check in. Lorna G. Rita S. Karen R. Janice A.M. Rita S. <laughs> Diane okay. Sherry H, Rita S. Okay, so uh, I have Sherry KB, Mo H, Lauren. I have a Rita, I think S. I have Carrie, and I missed one other person. Janice AM. Janice AM, and who is that other person? Diane. Diane, and what's uh-huh. your last initial? T is in Tom. T. Okay, we're going to go with that. Sherry KB, Mo H, Lauren, and we'll get your uh, uh, last initial when you check in. Rita, uh, Carrie, uh, Janice, and Diane. So Sherry KB followed by Mo H. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful Recovered Compulsive I Reader. Thank you so much for your service, Sylvia, and everybody on the line. And Welcome newcomers, and I'm just going to jump right in here. Um, you know, this whole, all these paragraphs are about um, disconnecting from a higher power um, to me. So I have to look at what, it, what is it that I am, I've done in my life that disconnected me from a higher power because I was trying to fill that hole in my soul, and I was filling it with food and all of the external things that I thought mattered. And what I noticed that every time I tried to fill it up, that, you know, I was satisfied for about four seconds, just like the food, and then I was on to the next thing. And that happened not only with the food, but happened with things in my life, which mattered to me at the time, during the time, you know, at this. And so, you know, it. what I think of today is, you know, um, he talked about he had arrived and everything. He also talked about how important the drink had become a part of his life. And um, so for me... That that part of my life, the food became more important uh, at times, and then discovering different reasons later on for why things fell fell apart for me. And what I notice now is feeling connected to a power greater than myself. When I go through this work, and I live in ten, eleven, and twelve, and I work with others, I get such a satisfying feeling, and that hole in my soul gets filled up, never, never like before, ever not with all the external things that I did. And this is what he's talking about. It's all these things came back and hit them like a boomerang. And, you know, all all these behaviors, all this external stuff, all the drinking and everything. And so that, to me, is the beauty of this program is that I do get filled up. It does fill the hole in my soul. I do feel a connection to God. And when I'm trying to do all the external stuff, 
without a power greater than myself, I am disconnected. Um, and, you know, I could go through this whole thing and talk about, when it talked about the jazz places and all that stuff, it reminds me of when I lived in Houston and there was just some wild times going on there. And, you know, I was into food and exercise and I would starve and I would binge and starve and binge. And that, I got off on that and I thought I had a ride because I thought I found the secret to staying thin. Um, and I didn't. Not And it never stuck. It never stuck. Um, and I, I just really think about where was I disconnected from my higher power in my life and what is connecting me now is the steps and this work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Mo H. followed by Lauren. Uh, good morning. This is Mo H. from Northern California. Can you hear me, Sylvia? Yes, Mo. Okay, thank you for your service, Sylvia, and all those on the line, and uh, also welcome to the newcomers. I'll start my timer. Well, oh, Yash, uh, long, long time reading uh, Bill's story. I, I never could understand this part of it. Bill here is describing himself. He's telling his story like we do when, when we're at meetings. What happened? And this is what happened for him, and uh, it's 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 quite a journey. And as we study it each time we come around, I learn I just learn something new, and I am so glad to not be identifying out like I did for years. Even in the rooms, I am now identifying in. And how I identify in is what drove Bill here was money and success. Um, I was a dancer for years, and that drove me. The applause that I got from uh, my dancing career and being on stage and performing and everybody loving me uh, was a big high, and that drove me, and uh, that's what I wanted to do uh, for my life, but that fell apart because of my uh, food addiction, which I didn't know uh, that I had that many years ago. I just thought I liked food. Um, so... Today, okay, so the whirlpool, uh, the maelstrom, I looked up that word, the inviting maelstrom of Wall Street, it's it's a whirlpool. Uh, and I was in the whirlpool of the dance uh, uh, organization of, of being a dancer and of striving for success. And as life went on, I got married and had children. And what, then what drove me was everybody had to be perfect. Uh, my family, so I, uh, perfection drove me, and um, so I just kept uh, moving on, and the the piece where I had arrived, and I was thinking about every time I went on a diet, and every time I reached uh, a goal weight, or I reached a success, I had arrived, and with every diet I went on, once I had arrived, I went off it. The next day or I started eating like I ate before the diet I didn't know that those foods I was allergic to that I was eating until recently in the rooms I um, in the I was five years abstinence and I took a position on our region 2 board and again I it was boosting my ego and when I uh, finished that position I ate and I got into the food, and I thought I had arrived because I had had this position, and now I was going to be abstinent for the rest of my life. Well, I fell flat on my face, and it was shortly after that, and I see my time is almost up, it was shortly after that that I found this uh, meeting through my sponsor, and so grateful for it that I am now feel I am recovered, and I feel that I have arrived uh, in my program because I am being nurtured by all of you. Thank you very much. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Mo H. Uh, we have 11 minutes left and uh, five people who want to share. So if you can abbreviate it, go ahead, but I'm going to give you your allotted time. Lauren, followed by Rita A. S. Yes. Yes. Good morning. This is Lorna G. Lorna. In New York City. No, no problem. This is Lorna G. in New York City, and I will make it brief. Um, thank you so deeply. I, re I really want to thank A Vision for You staff, all of you all, and um, particularly, of course, the moderators, uh, 
but I'm thinking of Melanie and Leah, who are uh, great champions for all of us. And of course, I'm feeling tearful. Um, also want to wish everyone happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, whatever you may be celebrating. Um, Bill's story uh, really moves me in so many ways. Um, I'm studying to be a drug and alcoholism counselor. And uh, my professors said that very few people recover from this, even though you may pour out your heart and think that you're responsible for their lives. Of course, you're not. And uh, one of my professors said you're there to enhance their lives. But um, I'm just grateful to Bill and all the pioneers, Roseanne, and all of uh, all of you all who came before me in OA. And um, Bill's story really, really touches me. And I was thinking, I don't want to be a statistic in the sense of just having been on the earth and not done enough, but also in the sense of dying way before my time due to compulsive eating or emotional garbage. And um, I felt this morning that all happiness in the world is generated from my higher power and, of course, from all of you. And uh, let's see, also just want to greet all the newcomers. And thank you so much. I pass Lorna G. in the Bronx, New York. Thank you, Lorna G. Rita S. followed by Carrie. Hi there, it's Rita S. calling from San Francisco Bay Area, Northern California. Um, hello to all the newcomers and visionaries. And I just wanted to jump in because um, I used to think that my, my disease started manifesting in my 30s when I was kind of in, a, in a, uh, my marriage, my previous marriage. And I, I realize now reading Bill's story that really the, 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 the genesis of my disease was probably right around my 20s. And I don't know if people remember the Martha Stewart um, cookbooks or the entertainment books. And I remember that was around, that came out right when I was in my 20s. And that was like my Bible. Um, I, you know, that I wanted to, I, that's when I started cooking, learning to cook, just really educating myself on, on food. And, you know, I was a foodie even back then. And, you know, entertaining and getting all of my validation from entertaining you know, some dazzling new recipe, and really, um, it was such an external source of validation, um, and and really just honing my disease at that point. And so, my activities, my um, my intellectual pursuits, everything revolved around food. And so, as time goes on, and life, you know, starts to throw curveballs you know, of course I'm going to turn to food. It's all around me. Everything I do revolves around food. So I'm just, you know, blown away that this this book written 80 years ago by a man who really has nothing in, in, I have nothing in common with can make me see that, yes, I actually do have a ton in common with him. Um, and thank goodness that I found Vision and um, it opened up this book in a way for me that I have never been able to see it before. So anyway, thank you so much for allowing me to share. And I pass. Thank you, Rita S. Carrie, as I think it's S, followed by Janice M. Oh, Janice A. Uh, Carrie. Please. Um, was it Carrie or Karen R? Cause I know it could I'm... be Karen R. It was going fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Karen R, compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Anorexic bulimic grad to be here. I'll try to keep this short. thing I was thinking about here was his heroes, you know, his heroes were those that were uh, financial leaders. And, and my heroes as an artist have always been those with fame and fortune or money or families, all that looked like the external was so great, you know, like I was always comparing my insides with your outsides, if I only had what they had. And of course, it's all like ego, you know, ego, easing God out, right? Um, all about me, 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 and it's 
all about me and how I look to others and um, had to be thin enough. Or, and then when I was too thin, then I, when I was thin, then I was too thin. It was never, never good. And it talks about here like this boomerang, you know, that would turn around and cut him to ribbons. And to me, my ego is the same way. It's a double-edged sword because getting affirmation from other people, um, if they didn't like something, I was crushed. So I was either above you or below you, never on an even keel trying to be useful like other, even keel with other people on that spiritual plane. And so today, you know, it's tricky. It's tricky and I have to just rely upon God. How can I be useful to you with my gifts? How can I use my gifts for you, God? You know, it's about God and um, being a channel, being a coworker of God, a channel of his love and sharing with the world and then things fall into place the way they are and um, with that I'll pass thank you for letting me share and thank you for service this morning thank you Karen R uh, Janice AM followed by Diane T and um, yeah I think we're going to make it we have five minutes left good morning this is Janice a compulsive overeater from Texas thank you very much I will keep it brief I was also thinking about this uh, statement, I had arrived, and thinking about it in terms of life, but also in terms to this disease of compulsive overeating. So in life, it's, you know, oh, I have arrived because I achieved this accomplishment or this degree or this promotion. Well, okay, well, I arrived, but now I need more. So then I achieve another promotion or another, you know, whatever it is, okay, I've arrived again, and you need more, and you need more, and you need more to get that feeling of accomplishment and having been arrived to the point of when's it ever going to be truly, you know, meaning that you've arrived or when's it going to be enough. And I think about that in relation to the compulsive overeating is where we take that one bite and it's just pure ecstasy and, oh, you've arrived, I've arrived and it's the best bite ever. And then you want more and then it starts, oh, that's not really good enough. So I need, you know, more and more and more in order to get that, you know, feeling of satiety. Um, and it's, it's, it goes both ways in um, remedying that. It's all about our relationship with our higher power, you know, obviously working the steps, but it's our higher power who's going to um, recover us from this disease. But it's also our higher power that if we let our higher power take charge is going to navigate us through those things in our lives so that we can individually arrive you know, for each and every one of us, according to our higher power. Thank you so much for letting me share, and I will pass. Have a great day. Thank you, Janice Ann. And Diane T., you're going to probably uh, close us up, and you have, uh, you know, you probably have three minutes. We'll see. Okay. Good morning. This is Diane T. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, wonderful. I live in Oregon. Uh, Thank you for your service. Thank you for letting me share. I can relate to I have arrived because I arrived when I was 28 years old. I was obsessed with getting attention and getting it any way that I could. And I became a fashion model for Big Beautiful Woman magazine. It was the very first magazine for large women that had came out. So I was promised that my picture was going to be all over the United States and Canada, and it was. I was surrounded by fashion designers, photographers, makeup artists, and I started dating a bodybuilder. And I was hanging on his arm, and he always wore a tank top, and boy, did we get the attention, and I loved it. I had one problem. I didn't realize that I had this disease, an allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. Had no idea I had it. Only thought my problem was just I ate too much. Little did I know that my disease would take me to 420 pounds, a wheelchair, a walker, a bed rail, and a shower bench. That's where the disease took me. I started listening to A Vision for You about three or four years ago. I don't know how I found it. I just found it. But as I was listening, I still continued to to binge You know, I was like into it, but I was listening. And as I was listening to it, day after day, I really couldn't stand it. 
because I not only didn't believe what you were saying, I just kept hearing the same people over and over and over again, and it made me want to throw up. I really couldn't stand it. But several years later, I picked it up again and started listening, and lo and behold, those same people that were there three or four years ago were still on the line saying that they were recovered, and I thought, hey, wait a minute. You know, something is here that I'm not getting, you know. And so eight, it was about 10 weeks ago, I woke up. I actually woke up and had that psychic change that was meant for me to have in order to become willing to work this program. And now I love the program. And now I'm 10 weeks recovered. And, I mean, I just, I turned from hating everything and now loving the program. And it really is a miracle. And I never understood the dual, the double whammy of the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. The obsession of the mind is a lie. It cannot tell the truth. And I believed everything it was telling me. I thought it was my intellect that was telling me that this wouldn't work for me. I can do it on my own. I can eat in moderation if only I was had enough willpower to do it. I never realized I couldn't stop eating if I wanted to. And that there was no power outside of myself that could, could, I mean, there was no power within me that I could stop. And that was all a lie. So I listened and I listened. Those of you that are listening and hanging up and thinking you can do it on your own and you keep trying, continue to listen because that eventually what's going to happen is that truth is going to infiltrate your mind. And that truth is going to expel the lie of the disease and one of these days you're going to wake up like I did and now I'm a true believer that there is no other solution for me that other than working the steps in this program and thank you so much for being there for me because I was on death's door thank you so much I passed thank you for your share Diane T Thank you to everyone who shared. Thank you to Team Wednesday. And um, please stick around uh, for when we stop the recording because Melanie C. is going to greet newcomers and um, announcements and sponsors. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And, uh, and Carrie S., will you read page 164? Star one, Carrie. Hi, Sylvia. Thank you. This is Carrie S. Recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.